So I just finished, we just finished our, our last series. We're going to start a new series. And your, our new series is all about identity, who you are. Which might sound funny, might sound perplexing, but it's extremely important to understand who you are. In a world that is all about confusion, redefining what a man and a woman is, redefining what a person is, it's extremely important to understand who you are. You can only teach what you know. It's important that you know so you can teach your children. If this is what we're dealing with now, imagine what they're going to deal with or what their children are going to deal with. So it's important to understand that what we're passing down through to our children is scriptural and understanding. So I've got a few quotes for you. Here we go. When you have forgotten who you are, one way to remember who you are is to remember who your heroes are. Life is too short to be at war with yourself. Loving yourself starts with liking yourself, which starts with respecting yourself, which starts with thinking of yourself in a positive way. Depending on how you view yourself will greatly reflect how you view God or who God is. People's views of us will change depending on what we do for them and also what we've done, what we say, what we look like. So it's important that you understand who you are and that who you are is not determined by what someone else says that you are. We teach our children, my son and my daughter, it doesn't matter what someone says because we all know the bullying is, is right, right? Everything happens at school, all the fun stuff, right? Our children come home from school, they tell us these things. And maybe I can remember many times when Charlotte has come to home and said, oh, this person said this, or even her brother said this. And what we've implied in her, what we've desperately tried to implant in her, is the fact that it does not matter what someone else has said about her. You're always going to come across someone who does not like you. If you have that rare personality where everybody loves you, um, good on you. But you will always find someone who does not like you. They will say things about you, behind your back, in front of you, however else, or you'll find out that they said something about you. And the only way that you have to protect yourself, because you can't determine what they say or what they do, is determined by how you react or what you believe in yourself. So we have taught our children, or we're teaching our children, because it's a constant journey and a constant battle, that they need to like themselves first. They need to respect themselves. They need to understand who they are so they're not affected by what someone else says about them. And it's the same thing with you and I. We need to know who we are. We need to understand whose we are. And so when something else happens to us, when someone hurts us, when someone says something to us, when we go through different circumstances, it does not define us. In the movie The Overcomer, one of the questions, I won't spoil too much, okay? Um, I won't give too much away, but one of the questions that was asked to somebody was, who are you? And I actually thought it was actually really quite profound. He says, uh, and he responded, oh, this is what I am. He said, no, no, who you are? If you take that away, who are you? And he said this. He said, no, 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 take that away. Who are you? And eventually he got to the point where he said, no, I'm, I'm a Christian. <coughs> right? And however, depend on however you see that, depends on how you're going to answer. 
at the end of the day, if you took your job away, if I asked you the question, who are you? And you said, oh, this is what I do. And you took that away, so you lost your job. Who are you? If you lost your family and your kids, which does happen, who are you? If you lost your house, if you lost your cars, who are you? If you lost your hobbies, if you lost everything, who are you? Because who you are doesn't actually determine by what you have or what you do. It's actually dependent upon whose you are. We're going to go on this series as a journey about discovering who you are and the importance of understanding why it is important that you know who you are. Everything that's taking place, not everything, but the majority of things that have taken place in society is an attack on your identity. And it starts from when they go to abortion. doesn't matter what you believe about abortion, but abortion is an attack on identity. Why? Because it's trying to, dis- to minimise the importance of even your worth as a child or as an infant, depending on however you see it. See, I don't actually call them fetuses, I call them children. I believe, personally, that life begins before conception. That's my personal belief. I believe that when God thinks or has designed you, that he has already created you, and you already exist. Then there's a process of you coming from a spiritual concept to a physical concept through conception, and even then your life. So there is worth even as what do you want to call it, even at conception. But there is an attack on worth, there is an attack on identity, even at that point before with abortion. There is an attack right now that happens even with our little children that talks about gender neutral. And it doesn't matter what you believe or what you hold to, it's an attack. Right? You can't redefine humanity. It's impossible. You can only define something if you have created it. And there's only one creator. And he defines what humanity is, not us. And there is an attack. There is, this, is, this, this is an attack on your identity, even as a small child. This gender neutral or gender fluid, it doesn't care what, doesn't matter about the LGBTQI, whatever it is, there's an attack on who you are and who your children are. So it is desperately needed to know who you are. Because if you know who you are, you can teach your children to know who they are. And then it doesn't matter what takes place around in the world around them. They know who they are. If I become changeable depends upon what I happened, then I begin to move like the wind. Or I move with the wind. It's like a kite. Depending on how the wind blows, depending on how the kite flies. And then I'm unstable. One of the quotes was, life is too short to be at war with yourself. We are here for a blink of an eye. You may last 107 years may last 100 years, you might be here for 80 years, 60 years, 50 years, but it is only a blink of an eye compared to where your soul goes to, which is eternity. You only determine what something is, is if you have created it. An artist gets to determine what the painting is because they have created it. When an artist paints a picture, 
They paint it depending on what they see or how they feel, right? Their interpretation of something. And they get to paint this canvas and get to put it on it. Now, we all get to look at, if you've been to an art gallery, get to go to an art gallery and look at the picture. And we can try and work out what on earth the artist was painting. And sometimes it's a little bit more difficult. If you don't know what I mean, you should see some of the abstract artists. Um, some of them were taking some chemicals at the point in time of, of drawing and painting. And so sometimes we interpret what is actually on the picture, but it's not actually what the painter or what the artist was drawing. We don't get to determine who God is. In our limited understanding of who God is, we still don't get to determine who God is. God created the heavens and the earth with words. He created everything that we see with words. He spoke it into existence. But we still don't get to determine who God is. Today there are so many challenges, so many different obstacles, so many different opinions based upon who we think God is. And yet we still have not even come close to determining who he is. When Moses was at the burning bush, now if you don't know the story, Moses was born in Egypt to an Israelite woman. He was then put in the little, little ark, little basket, and floated in the river because they were trying to kill all the male Israelite childs to reduce their numbers. He grew up in the palace after the princess saw him and pulled him out of the water. And for 40 years, he lived within the, the palace of the throne room of Egypt. Then at one point in time, as he was discovering who he was, he saw an Israelite oh, being killed by an Egyptian and stepped in. And then he did a bolt. And for 40 years, he lived out in the desert, in the wilderness, not knowing exactly who he was. And he comes to this point where God begins to call him and he actually comes to a place where the burning bush is. The Bible describes the bush was burning but not being consumed. Now, if you've ever had a fire, the timber, the wood that you put in the fire actually begins to be consumed. It goes black as it burns and then it goes white and it breaks down as the process of, of being consumed. But that did not happen. The Bible says the bush was burning and Moses could see it but it was not being consumed. And when he called Moses, this is how he described himself. This is the only account of where God actually describes who he is. Every other account, every other time when we see God's name and a, and a personality trait or a characteristic trait is when man actually talks about who God is. This is the only account where God actually describes who he is. And he says, I am who I am. I am who I am. Another word putting this, God was saying, you don't get to determine who I am. I am who I say I am. I am God. And there is no other. In Genesis 1, when God actually created the heavens and the earth, when God actually created the world, it clearly indicates that man was created by God. Distinctly different from all the other creatures. How do we know this? 
because this is the time when God actually said, I bless this. He blessed us twice. When God created man and woman, he took the time. The Bible says that he actually created man from the dust of the earth and breathed life into him. No other account of creation is actually described in such a way. He actually made you so distinctly different from every other part of creation and set you apart that is sometimes misunderstood of our importance in this world. There is an attack on our identity when people value an animal over us. When there is a greater crime for killing a baby animal where there is no crime at killing a baby human. We were created to experience an intimate relationship with God. That's why we were put in the Garden of Eden. That's why man was put in the Garden of Eden and was supposed to dwell within the cool of the day with God, to walk with God in relationship. You are made, each one of us is made up of two parts, which is made up of three parts. And there is a unity between both the material and the spiritual. The material and the immaterial. The physical and the spiritual. You are made up of two parts, physical and spiritual. And in those two parts, there are three parts. You have the body, which is what you see. You have the soul, which is who you are. Your personality. Your mind, your will, your emotions. And then you have the spirit. The body is everything you see. Your hair colour, your eye colour, is all part of the body. But realistically, it's not actually who you are. There is a tangible and an intangible, a temporal and an eternal. The tangible or the intemporal is the body. You last from when you're beginning to when you end. But your existence is actually beyond that. I said you actually have life before you were born, right? You actually have life even before you conceive, but your existence in the intangible, right? Your existence in the temporal actually began at, temporal, at the, the point of conception, but your existence was beyond that. So once you're born and you exist, or once you're conceived and you exist, it's all about your tangible, it's all about your temporal. And then you come to a point where you die. Sorry, it does happen, right? But you exist beyond that. Your body is only temporal, and that only exists in this period of time between when you are conceived and when you die. It's your soul, it's your personality that actually exists before then and exists after that. It's your soul that you exist in. That is who you are. That is your complete personality, your character traits, your integrity, everything about it. Your spirit actually comes from God and when you die actually returns to him. But it's your soul that lives with eternity with the Father. Your body will go to dust because you were created from the dust so it is returned to the dust. 
Does that make sense? When God breathed life in you, he breathed his spirit in you, and whatever, where it came from is where it goes back to. So because God gave you his spirit, it goes back to him, and it doesn't matter if you're a believer or a non-believer, you still have God's spirit. It just depends on whether or not you suppress it or not. But it's your soul that existed before conception and will exist after your death. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, How may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. In Genesis 2 it says, And God formed man from the dust of the ground. And he breathed his nostrils, breathed into his nostrils, which is man's nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living being. Ecclesiastes 12, 7, it says, And then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. From dust you came, to dust you return. From your spirit was given to you, his spirit will turn to him. There is a physical part of your body which is temporal. But it's not who you are. You are not defined by what you have done. And you are not defined by what you have been through. Because it's only temporal. It's intangible. You can go through the most horrendous situation in life, but it's not who you are. Because you're dust. Because who you are is the soul. Your identity is found in who you are and whose you are. The one who created you gets to determine who you are. He gets to name you and you don't get to name yourself. You don't get to determine who you are. He already has. Why? Because the one who creates you gets to determine who you are. When we allow our past to determine who we are, Right? I become linked to my past. If I go through trauma, if I go through a tragic situation, right, which I can guarantee most of us have, all of us have, unless you've been one of those special, special, special people where life has been perfect and nothing wrong has gone on and I want to know your secret, right? If you haven't been through trauma, then I'm sorry, you have to skip this bit. But we've all been through trauma, we've all been through tragic situations, we've all been through difficult circumstances where our first words that come out of our mouth probably are, it's not fair. But it is in the temporal. It is actually in the physical that happens. It has not actually happened in the soul. Right? It happens in the physical. My accident happened in the physical. My accident happened in the tangible, right? But it is not who I am. It is not who I am. If I link who I am to what I have been through, then I am forever connected to that until I cut that separation off. If you want to know how you get through tragedy, 
you want to know how you get through trauma, don't link the tangible with the intangible. Don't link the physical with who you are. That's how you get through it. You see it as an event, but not defining who you are. It's when we join them, it's when we link what we've gone through with who we are, there becomes confusion of our own identity. Is, is this making sense? Is this clicking? Because this is really important. This is, this is what happens, right? A child who is gender confused has linked. Okay? I can actually go through, and then I actually did a very quick study. It's not actually um, been... I had a lot of friends who are homosexual, okay? 95%, if not higher, of all homosexuals right, have got two things in common. One, their father was not at home at all. And two, their father was either absent. It's one of those two. Now, I can tell you why, okay? Because what happens is that the father's role within the home is actually supposed to enforce your true identity of who you are. And when that separation of is taken out, so when you remove the father from the home, there's no one there to reinforce it. I love you ladies, right? But knowing from, I come from a broken home myself, my mother is not able to enforce or reinforce my identity. That's a father's role. Right? This is why we believe a tribe raises a child. Because where we lack, others are able to compensate. Right? We have enough men in this house where we can compensate for where there's lack in the home. Right? This is also why God is the Father. Because he is able to do what is impossible to do. Okay? And I think, I think um, single mums do a phenomenal job. My mother did a phenomenal job in all that she could and she tried to compensate and tried to do everything and be the perfect person and, and do the perfect role, okay? But the truth of the matter is she is just simply unable. This is why we also need to understand our true identity that there is a difference between a man and a woman, right? That is why when a married couple gets married, the two become one because they have different roles to fulfil in the home, my wife cannot do what I do. I cannot do what she does. She is the nurturing one. I am the not nurturing one. Right? My, my, when Zeph had his accident, Mel was all like, oh my gosh, ah. I was like, we should put a band-aid on your teddy, exactly in the same place as where you hit your head. He's worried about, Mel's worried, oh, it's bad. I'm like, dude, Scar. Yeah, it's a story. Right? There's, there's just, it's not, not that I'm wrong and she's right, it's, it's just we're different. Right? Because there's different, different roles. When we allow our past, our circumstances to determine who we are, right? tragedy or good things, what we actually do is we step into a victim mentality. Oh. 
I become a victim of my circumstances rather than becoming a victor. Because when I walk in victory over my circumstances, I have not allowed my circumstances to define who I am. I have not allowed my circumstances to make me who I am. In Romans 8, 37, it says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That word conquerors actually means hypernike. This is where Nike actually got their slogan from. The whole passage makes sense when you read it together. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. You need to pay attention to every single verse because it actually makes sense on when you read that you are more than a conqueror. And we know that all things, not some things, not this thing, not that thing, but all things work together for good to those who love God. For those who are called according to his purposes. Little note, you are all called according to his purposes. For whom he foreknew, he already predetermined who you were before you were conceived. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, who he predestined, those he also called. Whom he called, those he also justified. Justified means that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, it's just as if you never sinned. The love or his grace to die on the cross covered a multitude of sin. There is nothing that is not covered by his actions. And when he justified those, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up from us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation, shall, shall distress, persecution or famine, nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There is a reason why it is called your past. Because you are supposed to go past it. We spend so much time focusing on the temporal. We spend so much time focusing on the things that aren't really important. That go in a blink of an eye. We need to actually spend more time on things that are eternal. We need to spend more time on the things that are truly, truly important. The things that last beyond this flicker of a second. The Bible actually describes us as a vapour. 
We don't even get the classification as a water droplet or a vapour. That is moisture within the air. That is how long which you exist for in eternity. We allow what someone's actions to determine who we are too much. If someone doesn't like me, it's okay. If Brad calls me a mean name, it's okay. Yes, you shouldn't call me names. Right? Because the temporal fades. You might live for 100 years, but that is like a drop in the ocean compared to eternity. That is reality. The eternity, your eternity is not bound by time. It's not bound by minutes. It's not bound by hours. It's not bound by days. It's not bound by weeks, years, decades, centuries. It just is. Our temporal is like a ticking watch. Now, whatever we focus on is what we chase. I used to have this friend, and as she was learning to drive, she would tell us all these stories that she would turn her head to look at something, and the steering wheel would go with it. Now, most of us have ever done that. Uh, some of us won't admit to it. But when you're first learning to drive, you need to break that habit of learning to drive with not just your eyes, but with also your hands. That when I drive, I'm not going wherever I look, but I'm driving and being able to look without moving. Whatever I focus on is where I will go. That's why kids are funny when they, when they, when they learn, they're like they're in those little push carts, because you can see it more evident. If they're going in one direction and you call them, they'll naturally turn towards whatever direction you call them to. You would have seen that, Brad, with all your 12 kids. All right? What's that? Something is prophetic. I don't know. Hey, with God, it's impossible. Second Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, that even our outward man is perishing. That's your flesh. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Your body... My body has a time frame. Unfortunately, it begins to break down. They say once you pass roughly about 18 years of old age, uh, your cells will only repair themselves four times. And then your body begins to break down. Okay, its ability to rebuild itself becomes limited and limited. It's just, it's just the way it is. You are on a ticking clock. 
how long you spend on this earth. And if your soul knows who Jesus is, if your soul knows the temporal, if it knows the eternal, if it knows what Jesus has done for you, then your eternity with the Father is secured. If your soul does not know who Jesus is, if it does not know that Jesus is your Saviour and Lord, your soul will live an eternity without God. That is simply how it is. My injury is not in my soul. It is in my flesh. My injury does not define who I am. It's just part of me. I refuse to allow it to determine what I can do. I have had many challenges. And people ask me, how on earth do you do that? I find a way. I have put together barbecues, one-handed. I'm not bragging or anything. It's pretty cool. Um, Because there's always a way. I've had people ask me, how on earth do you do it? I could never do that. It's because you've never been challenged to do it. I have what? That's it. You have to make a way. You have to find a way. My arm does get very tired sometimes. <laughs> but there is always a way. What's that? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I have had one guy. I was, I was with a shovel at the front. And he, and he offered help. And I was like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm just digging a little trench in the garden. It's okay. <laughs> your eternal value must be greater than your temporal Hebrews 12 2 it says looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of your faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne room of God the reason Jesus was able to endure, to actually go through what happened to him, was because he saw the eternal value of your soul. He endured one of the worst deaths even imaginable. He would have endured so much pain, so much turmoil. And in the midst of it all, They all mocked him. Not only did he experience tragedy and trauma, but he experienced loneliness at the heart of it all. Yet he was able to endure it all, knowing full well what he was able to go through or what he was going to go through. Why? Not because he understood the temporal, but because he understood the eternal value of your soul. What? he was truly standing for. 
when you begin to understand that you are not in this temporal phase, right? this is just a vessel that carries the eternal value, when you begin to understand that this is a flicker of time, but this will actually last forever, you begin to see different things. You begin to put things in their perspective. Someone not liking you becomes a temporal thing and an intangible thing. And someone's soul becomes important. We spend too much time in the physical. We spend too much time worrying what someone else will think if they like me, if they won't like me, if they think I'm funny looking. I wonder if you could take back all the time you spent looking in the mirror, how much time we would actually have. Now, I'm not saying turn up, the, you know, turn up to wherever you're going looking like um, a mess, all right? There's the difference between taking pride in your appearance and being respectful of who you are, okay? Than being vain and spending years and years looking in the mirror, okay? Worrying about what everyone else thinks about me. But if you could take back those that time spent looking in the mirror, worrying about what everyone thought about you, whatever perceived about you, what everyone was worrying about, how you look, I wonder how much time you could put on the end of your life. So what is your focus? What's important to you? Is it the temporal? Or is it eternal? And we haven't even started talking about your spirit yet. We're just looking at the difference between your eternal and the, 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 sorry, the, the tangible and the intangible. Intangible, tangible. But this is what we're going to do. We, on this series, I'm going to look at the, your identity, who you are, your makeup. Right? I'm going to start breaking down things in a different light because your identity is vitally important to your knowledge and your understanding. Because the more I know about who I am, the less I'm worried about who you think I am. The less I'm concerned about my temporal. But it all begins with a single moment. It all begins with that single moment that you get to accept Jesus Christ as your saviour and as your Lord. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and saviour, then today is your blessing day. Today you get to receive Jesus Christ if you so choose him. It is simply by choice. You take one step forward, you go through a prayer, you receive him, and then you spend the rest of your life getting to know him. If today you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, then all you have to do is put up your hand. I will see it, and we'll pray with you, and stand with you. That's as simple as that. Don't feel embarrassed, don't feel shy. Because the truth is, we, we will all have done this. <coughs> if you just want to put up your hand, otherwise... Yep, come on down, Emma. I've been waiting for this a long time. I know there's other people been waiting for it as well. We have been praying with for you, all right?
So if you want to well, join hands, stand with me, church, because we're going to stand together, right? No one ever walks alone. No one does. Now, we all need to come around Emma, and we all need to support her, right? Encourage her, stand with her, believe in her, right? There will be some challenges. We've all walked through them, okay? So you just need to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. But today, but today, I make it known. I make it known publicly, publicly, and before you, and before you, that I choose, that I choose to believe in you. To believe in you. I receive, I receive your grace, your grace, and your mercy. And your mercy. I, I repent. I repent of all my sins. With all my sins. And today. I make it known. I make it known that I am a Christian. That I am a Christian. A believer. A believer. And a disciple of Jesus. And a disciple of Jesus. Mm. Now we pray for you. Father, I ask right now that she would seal it upon her heart. That she would seal it upon her body, her mind, her spirit, her soul. That she is not her own, that she is yours. That she is a new creation. Father, we speak a great destiny upon her. We speak life in that destiny and that purpose. We release all hurts and we speak your anointing upon her. Father, bless her. Increase in her. Give her a hunger and a fire for you like never before. We declare your mighty hand in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.